that's hundred. Today, I am back in the house. Economic reports and factors traders should pay attention to for 2023 and beyond, right? So a lot of different economic reports that factor, you know, into every year, not just 2023, have in the past in 2022, 2021, 2020, but will continue and beyond to infinity and beyond our good friend Buzz Lightyear said once, right? So um, the economic piece, let me explain this for all my new people that's coming in right? Economics directly impact markets, right? It's just, just how it happens, just how it works. And we're going to explain, well, why does it work? That's the question that someone may ask, right? So uh, the economy and the stock market are two different things. It's important to understand that. Notice that when you cut on CNBC over the past 12 to 24 months, it's been talk about recession, 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 right? Um, and economics impacts things in different ways, uh, particularly policy. We're going to talk about uh, a little bit of the differences between fiscal and monetary policy as well here too. So fiscal and monetary policy, let's talk about them, right? So we're getting right into the thick of things. Number one, fiscal is based really more so on elected officials, uh, you know, those government elected officials, government officials, the government spending and its budget, right? It's centralized control by people in Congress, legislators, right? You know, senators, uh, people even in the state legislation that you elect, your mayors, right? Your governors, they all affect fiscal policy, fiscal budgets, right? How much on a state side they're going to spend, city side and national. Then you have your monetary policy, which is controlled by the Federal Reserve, the Jerome Powell and Company, right? It's the Federal Reserve Board of Governors, right? They come together, they make decisions about monetary policy, right? All of these different uh, factions, as people may call them, right? They directly affect um, us as U.S. citizens. And then as well, they affect not just us as U.S. citizens, but also affect uh, corporations, right? The Apples, the Microsofts, the Netflixes, the Googles, Amazons, et cetera, and so forth. They affect those companies. So the same way that inflation affects us as a consumer, um, it affects them as a producer, producer of products, right? And factors that traders should always pay attention to, right? One of the things I want you guys to take away from this video tonight is not number one, the resources that are out there to use to keep track of the economic data that comes out each day, but then also which one to pinpoint and pay attention to most, right? I'll tell you guys right off the bat, and some of you guys may already know, inflation reports are always super, super important. GDP, right? Gross domestic product, consumer spending. Anything consumer-based, right, economic-wise, is going to matter. Why? Because 70% of the United States of America is based upon consumer spending. Debt, right? So calculating debt levels, whether it's on the consumer side or whether it's on the government side, which will also be categorized as, once again, fiscal, right? And you'll hear these terms like fiscal budget, right? Especially as we're heading into September, um, you know, a lot of times that's when, you know, most years, uh, budgets are due in September. Um, so you'll hear things about that all the time heading in. This is why 
Um, it's always good for me to do an economic check-in on the channel uh, to tell people what to look at, what, what I'm watching, key things to pay attention to. So let's get right into it. I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here, and we're going to get this party on the roll. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. So a couple, uh, couple tools and resources that we have here. Um, so first thing right here, uh, we actually got our CPI. I want to go over it. Um, we got our CPI last week. Um, and our CPI is a, a consumer price index. It's a measure of the changes of the average change over time in prices paid by urban consumers for market for a market uh, basket of consumer goods and services. Indexes are available for the U.S. and various geographic areas. Average price data for select utility, automotive, food, and food items are also available. So the CPI for all items rises 0.2% in July. Shelter is up. So something important for people to, to note, um, shelter makes up um, a lot of the CPI, about 30, 35, 40% of the CPI is just based upon shelter, cost of rent, as you could think, you know, the cost of living, right? For you to just have a, to just have a roof over your head factors into the consumer price index. So the number one reason, um, I was actually having this conversation the other day, and I wanted to shed light on this. And, and, and some people, um, some, some, some of you guys may see this already in your communities. Um, a lot of homes are now, right now, particularly reaching homes and apartment complexes in, in, here in the United States of America, particularly, you know, even in New York. A lot of places have been around and homes even in the country, um, country areas of the United States, rural areas. I mean, even some of the urban areas as well, you know, a lot of these apartment buildings in, in, in certain areas, you know, they're reaching, you know, 70 years old, 80 years old. Some of these buildings have been around since the Great Depression. Right. As funny as it seems, almost 100 years. Right. And what's going to happen is I, I see a real crisis and a real problem that I want people to pay attention to uh, United States housing starts. Right. Housing starts is super, super important. This is tradingeconomics.com that I use. The first website uh, that you actually saw was bls.gov, which is the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. So this is another good resource. The second resource that I was using is tradingeconomics.com. And one of the last resources that I have is MarketWatch U.S. Economic Calendar. So these are three main resources that I like to use. There's a few more, but these are the three main that I like to use to keep me up to date. Particularly, I wanted to talk about the housing starts, right? And it was something that I realized, um, not with even, I didn't even come look at the numbers quite yet, like just super, super in depth, but just something that I seen just off first glance in my eye. And then also something that a thought came to me. So I was uh, in New York this past Saturday and I was sitting and I was, and I was just driving. I was just, I was in New York. I'm like, man, there's a lot of old buildings, right? A lot of old buildings, outdated, need updates. And then I started thinking about just even outside of New York, I started thinking about other places that I've been over the past 12 months, right? And I've seen that there's been a lot of outdated buildings, apartment complexes, homes. And there, don't get it twisted. There is a plethora of places that I visited that have a, a ton of construction, like Orlando, Florida. It seems like I've been to Orlando, Florida past 12 months, at least three times. Every time I'm seeing new, new apartment buildings, new this, new that. So there is some areas where you do see a lot of new housing starts um, and, and, and see a lot of new buildings being constructed. One of the issues that I see is, is that um, I was actually even reading on Twitter. Um, I wish I could pull the, the tweet up, uh, but I, ha I have to find it. 
again, but one of the, the tweet actually highlighted and it was talking about how much money people have baked into their homes worth of wealth, right? A lot of people are super wealthy based upon the price and, and value that their home has increased over the over the last 30, 40, 50, 60 plus years. Particularly, you know, a home that may have been owned by a grandmother, passed to a daughter, and then passed to a granddaughter, the amount of wealth over those three generations that is being passed on, right? Um, and you start to think about the updates, right? The upkeep, the cost of upkeep and the structure, right? Um, I remember, you know, when, when I was younger, uh, my father, when he, um, after him and my mother separated, I remember my father, um, he started dating a, a new woman. He moved in with her and just me observing, paying attention, this house that my father moved into was built in like the early forties. Um, so the house, you know, at that point was about 70 years old. And just all types of issues started happening. You know, um, the house was in, was starting to become in bad shape, 70 years old, but you kind of, let's say you kind of got to expect that. I mean, think about it for 70 years, just even think about you going from being an infant to 70 years old. There's going to be some, there's a lot difference in, in, in health. Um, you know, definitely a lot of 70 year olds, super healthy, but then there's also some wear and tear. You're not going to be Maybe at 22, 25, you're still yamming the thing down. You're able to catch alley-oops, dunk the ball. At 70, you're not dunking anything, right? Um, and so you think about that even from a lifespan of a house, right, in a structure, um, and actually how it, it even would have been built as well, too, taking that into account. Because we know that not everything 70, 80 years ago, you know, nothing is perfect. So even the homes that you know, may have not had the best structure, um, you know, being built upon, right? All those different things are taken. The, what style of home it, it was, what materials were used to actually build those homes, right? All the different things to take into account. Um, and you start factoring in, well, now the cost, right? Really seeing that even now housing starts in the United States declined by 8% month over month to a seasonally adjusted annualized rate of 1.4 million in June, 2023, below the market expectations. Single family housing, which account for the bulk of home building, dropped by 7% to um, 935,000 and starts in building with five units or more, went down by 11.7% to 48, oh, sorry, 482,000. Starts fell in the Northeast part, about negative 2% in the Midwest. Now, this was astonishing to me. In the Midwest, starts fell 33%. And so we know a lot in the Midwest, um, you know, is a lot of farmland, a lot of rural areas um, where we get a lot of our agriculture here in the United States. In the South, we were down about negative 4.4% um, to 838,000. And in the West, only down about 1.2%, so the least, right? So that was something that was... Um, you know, was definitely super, super, um, it was interesting to see, right? Interesting. Particularly if I highlight in the Midwest, right, right here, negative uh, 33%. I mean, y'all, that's a lot in the Midwest, negative 33%. Um, and it kind of furthermore my kind of thought process and even taking a look at the Northeast, negative 2%, but just the total drop-off, uh, single-family housing, um, the amount of homes being built, but then I started to think about it as well, too, of uh, taking a look at uh, birth rates. Um, and that was another thing that popped up on Twitter economic wise. Man, I really love Twitter, man. I know there's a lot of drama that happens and people argue on t Twitter, but that just depends on who you're following on Twitter. For me, when I go on Twitter, for the most part, I'm seeing very constructive stuff. 
And I see a lot of economics things with links. And, you know, it's like, like I said, anything with your social media, man, you could either use your social media to push yourself forward or you can use your social media to keep yourself trapped in a rat race and knowing everything that's going on with someone at every moment. And what I liked is this enlightened me to even take, take a look deeper than what I was already looking. And so, you know, taking a look that, you know, birth, you know, the birth rate has dropped considerably a strong since 2008 here in the United States. Um, and less and less, less and less births are happening. Um, and factoring that in, when you even talk about the single family housing, starts, which make up a bulk of the home building, drop by 7%. So factoring all those things together, kind of coming up with a, you know, my own thesis of saying, well, there's a lot of homes that right now are going to be over the next 20 to 25 years that are going to be hitting that 100 year mark. Um, there's a lot of homes that are going to be hitting that 100 year mark. Uh, and as those homes hit that 100 year mark, um, there's going to be or even 80, right? And some of those are already hitting 80. Uh, what issues are going to arise and where is going to be new housing that's actually um, had. Uh, there was new housing that was actually built, uh, particularly in the Bronx. And it's starting at, you know, new affordable housing, right? This is a affordable housing program um, is, you know, starting off at $2,300, $2,400, right? $2,400, right? So that was something that was, uh, you know, a little bit, um, little bit, um, little bit interesting. So one of the things as well that, um, you know, I actually seen um, the medium age of a owner occupied home in the United States is about 39 years, 39 years old, 39 years old. That was the medium age of a house right about in the United States, about 39, 30, some, some places I was saying about 37 to 39 years old. So that's kind of like in, in, in the middle. So mind you, once again, that's the medium. So right kind of there in the middle, once again, a lot of homes around 70, 80 years old, even, even before then, but a lot of homes in that 70, that's really where a lot of issues start to arise. So you understand that. Then we talk about where the vast majority of, of, of wealth is in those homes is really within those homes that have been owned um, for the most part in between, right? Even you could say the, the 70 and 80, uh, but even for the most part for the statistics I saw fell within the 40 to 60 year type period. Um, a lot of the vast majority of wealth, uh, particularly within those homes, having held those homes a lot a, long, a, a, a lot longer, depending on what area, um, and also depending on what state and what city and what market you're in. So those things were kind of subjective a little bit. The moral of the point that I'm making is, is that there's an issue and a problem, right? And so how does this tie back into the market? Someone's going to say, okay, you're talking about a lot of different things here. So let's, um, let's go ahead and scroll down. And let's take a look here at this 10-year horizon as far as housing starts. Actually, let's do the 25. So we look over the last 25 years, we're still, um, when you take a look here at our housing starts, we're, we still haven't gotten back all the way up here to particularly um, even even early, um, even, even 2008, right? Like we've creeped up, obviously, you know, from this 500,000. But if you take a look and let's max this thing out, you know, there's been periods of time in housing from the housing starts. That's usually where we've seen a lot of issues that have happened. Paying attention to the housing starts, right? So let's kind of remind people or here in the early 80s, I mean, excuse me, here, here in the uh, early 90s, there was issues. Why? Because inflation was still high. Even here, we saw a little bit of growth right here as far as housing starts. 
inflation kind of cleaned up a little bit here in the early 80s. It was starting to get cleaned up, but then inflation issues started to happen again in the mid 80s, around 84, 85. Housing starts. We all know what happened here. Um, even even right, actually, excuse me, even right here, a little bit of a drop off. We all know what happened here, the housing market. But even going back here, right, to kind of some of the booms in the late 60s, early 70s um, in the housing market. And so this is what I was pointing to here in this in the late, you know, in the late 60s, early 70s. There was a huge amount of growth, um, particularly that happened in housing. Um, and a lot of people, a lot of people, you know, buying homes in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, right? Right now are sitting on a, a plethora of amount of wealth uh, just built in and grown equity, right? Uh, for all my people in New York, you guys understand, you know, brownstones, <laughs> the value of what brownstones have increased since the late 80s and early 90s um, to what they are today. Right. So a lot of a lot of money in real estate. Um, and I also seen an interesting point here. Someone made a, a point that the real estate market is frozen. I forgot where, where I seen that. Someone made a point and said, hey, the real estate market is is frozen. Um, I thought that was an interesting take. Um, can't say I agree or, or, or disagree, but I thought it was just an interesting take that I wanted to throw out there uh, from a perspective standpoint, because that's something that I heard and I, and I seen. And then here's was the context. You know, they highlighted that, you know, a lot of people think about this, who locked in homes for less than 3% interest rates, less than 2.5 or even less than two. Why are they going to sell in a in a market to go buy another home at a seven and a half, eight percent interest rate with a higher with a higher mortgage? Um, so Not to say that some people won't, but the vast majority may say, well, well, why would I go in and, and do that? right now, right? I'm going to kind of wait maybe till rates come back down again, right? Um, and then even from a new buyer perspective, for someone who may not own a home, well, right now it's kind of pricing them out, right? Not not even kind of, it is pricing them out. When you take a look at the cost of living of everything, you know, homes right now with a, with an 8% interest rate, $500,000 mortgage doesn't sound like the the best thing to to the average everyday person, right? Um and even from a qualification standpoint. Um so those were some things that I that I that I noticed and wanted to make mention here um when talking about the United States and its housing starts and the importance of that. Um so that was one th that was one economic report. So we've done we talked about the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, United States housing uh, starts. The U.S. economic calendar, we'll come right back to that site in a second. We have retail sales tomorrow, which comes out every single month. We also have, um, as well, the FOMC minutes. We know that the Federal Reserve, not only do they do interest rate decisions, but they also provide up minutes notes from their meetings. And then on Thursday at 8.30 a.m., the initial jobless claims report comes out every single um, week at Thursday, 830. And then we have our Philadelphia Fed manufacturing survey, big time manufacturing report that comes out every single month, once a month. So you have some reports like the initial jobless claims. They come out every week. Um, you have FOMC minutes and Philadelphia Fed manufacturing and U.S. retail sales which only come out, you know, once a month. CPI, uh, consumer price index. One one that we didn't talk about was PPI, comes out as well once a month. Where is a, a place that you can keep track of that in the economic calendar? Unless you know what date is coming out, what's the uh, period for so month, and what was the previous report? So it keeps you up to date, you know, every single week. Um, as well, um, I like to come here and you you can actually take a look at whatever uh, particular 
report that you want depending on what category. So if I want to do a deep dive in the, in, the, in the housing, let me come here and let me see new home sales. Sales of single family new home houses in the United States dropped by 2.5%. We already knew that because we took a look at the, at the bigger report. Let's take a look here over the past 25 years. New home sales, right? If we want to take a look comparing, um, still nowhere near new home sales that rise in that peak in 2005 and 2008. Still nowhere near at all. Housing starts. So if I wanted to do that, money, interest rates. Pay attention if I want to take a look at where the Federal Reserve it has interest rates at. I come here. You also have another calendar here that stays with you pretty well. So you can use uh, multiple of these calendars as well, too. You can actually tap in and um, it'll have it will set you up and take you directly. If you want to listen to maybe a Federal Reserve speaker, um, you can actually come here and, and, and click that. So the same thing here, kind of just like U.S. economic calendar. You have those resources here. So one thing that I, I would suggest for any new person is to get familiarize yourself with these different reports. Right. You got a plethora of drop down menus, dig in and go healthy. Like I said, if you want to pay attention to prices, inflation, you know where to come. Come to prices, CPI, core consumer prices, core inflation rate. Right. Also, another big report, the Michigan five year inflation expectations, plus the PCE, PCE price index. This is another inflation report as well that the Federal Reserve pays attention to. You want to take a look at government, Oops. right? Government. We talked about government spending, right? Revenues, government debt. We, we, we really talked about that government debt a little bit earlier. Businesses. If you want to take a look at anything, business outlook, this is where you'll find a lot of um, manufacturing data, as well as um, you'll find a lot of estimates on different from different indexes. You'll find a lot of uh, estimates, consumer gasoline prices, consumer spending, consumer credit. I really like I really like to pay attention to consumer credit because that that's one thing that shows you really how strong your business is, right? Consumer credit is one thing that shows you how strong your business, your business, uh, you know, even in the business space, how people are spending. Um, even uh, you can come here to business. I was jumping to even paying attention to business credit, but consumer credit change, revolving credit, like credit cards. That's super important. I mean, we keep seeing, you know, um, you know, this this particular revolving credit. We know this is auto loans, you know, uh, revolving credit. We know also as well, we have, um, you know, credit cards. U.S. consumer debt is hitting all time highs consistently month over month. So all of these things are things, like I said, to pay attention to that. I really like taxes, corporate tax rates, sales tax, Social Security rate. Just different things. So you got a real uh, tool and tool set that you can use to come in here and really break this stuff down. My my things that I really like to pay attention to, um, like I said, the most CPI, PPI, I spend a lot of time in looking at prices reports, uh, government, consumer, right, business and housing. That's where I spend a lot of my time at prices. Um, GDP is overall. So a lot of that stuff falls into GDP anyway. So obviously GDP prices, uh, you got money interest rates, right? So money, interest rates, super, super important. Government spending, budget, debt to GDP, consumer, right? Consumer spending, consumer credit, credit card accounts, personal income, personal savings, personal spending, housing, big part, big one, housing index, housing starts, home ownership rate. Let's take a look at that. Home ownership rate decreased to 65.90% in the second quarter of 2023. Let's take a look at home ownership rate, max. So home ownership rate has kind of been, to, for the most part, guys, if you think about it, it's been pretty steady throughout time, pretty steady throughout the past 50 years. Home ownership rate. 
So just familiar, familiarizing yourself with this. And then if there's things that you don't know about, this is a, a really great place to get the education. We talked about United States new home sales, always a good construction spending, super important. So just kind of gives you a, a, a game plan and a feel of exactly uh, what to take a look at. So you got tradingeconomics.com. You as well got bls.gov, U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. And you also have Market Watch's U.S. Economic Calendar. So this gives you a real blueprint, a real game plan of what to look at and pay attention to, you know, each month, each week, each year, um, 2023 and beyond of how you can navigate um, and pay attention in the economic report space um, and stay up to date. The more you do that, the easier it makes to understand what's happening in the market. If I know what's happening on the consumer side, well, I know where people, if I'm able to see are people heavy spending on discretionary stuff right now or not? So I know what maybe stocks I should be looking to maybe go long or short on based upon how consumers are spending their money, right? Then there's a gives me a reason. If I see consumer spending is dropping off overall, and then I see that people are now loading up more in their savings, that lets me know what mindset that people are thinking at. If people are now spending less, saving more, right? What happens? If people are spending less and saving more, that means companies' earnings, especially in the consumer side, which is most companies, they rely on a consumer, right? Um, a, a regular, like we said, 70% of GDP is made up of consumer spending. So I know what to kind of expect. If consumer spending falls 10% in a quarter, hypothetically, I can expect that there's going to be a lot of companies that start missing their earnings. And when those companies start missing their earnings, they're stopping are going to pay pay the price for it. So just give you guys an example of how I would utilize one way to utilize that information. Um, but man, this was an exciting action-packed episode here today. Um, I appreciate you guys' time. Two weeks from now, August 28th, me and TR, she's not here tonight, but y'all drop some fires in the chat. We know TR, man, she got a fan club. We got a whole separate fan club for TR. We know y'all love her. She will be back next week. I'm excited. Two weeks, we will be in Dallas in TR City hosting a live Monday Night Take episode, August 28th, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, 7 p.m., 8 p.m. EST. So two weeks from now, same time, know where to find us. But two weeks from now, we will be live in Dallas. That flyer address, all that information will be put out for you guys this week. I'm geared up, excited, and ready. Um, so like I said, another great episode here of Monday Night Take. Like, share, subscribe to the channel, comment below, enjoy this episode. Um, and go if you if you missed the past few, go catch up because next week we're getting right back into the thick of things as well. And the next two weeks are going to be action-packed with next week's episode and then our live in-person episode. Never know who may pop up. Until then, see you soon. Let's go.